the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt. And as usual, I am very happy that you are joining me today in this show. And I'm kind of excited about this show because, well, actually, I'm excited about every show that I do. I really like the idea that we're going to talk about today. I think in the world that we're in, we need to have some maybe grounding about how to truly live, rules for happiness, these types of things. And so this is somewhat of a little, maybe um, an add-on to the book that I just finished writing, which was God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And I would love to encourage you to go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and you can purchase the book online. Uh, it will also be on Amazon and Kindle. It is on Amazon and Kindle. Actually, it was, went on Amazon and Kindle this week on the 15th, so you can also download it as an ebook. So we're going to talk about rules for truly living. And we know that the wonderful verse that we have um, in John 10.10, it says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life abundantly. And so we really want to look at that whole idea of abundant living. How do I do that? How do I have an abundant life? Well, we know that it is not the pursuit of happiness that brings happiness. And that's where our society kind of gets a little bit off kilter is that we, of course, we all want to be happy. We love feeling happy. It's a wonderful feeling, and I like being happy. But what we find is that when we pursue happiness, what we end up usually doing is pursuing pleasure. And pleasure is empty. Pleasure never brings us true happiness. So what we want to look at is pursuing contentment, meaning, purpose. All of those elements create happiness for us. And so when we are pursuing a life that is, that is built on character, built on ideals, that is also part of relationship and that we are in relationships that are working, and if they're not working, then we're working on those relationships, this is ultimately what brings about happiness. Now, we know that it's impossible to be happy all the time, but when we are working on a life of abundance, which means that we are really addressing those issues of meaning and purpose and relationship and being the best version of myself and how do I do that, I will ultimately then have happiness. And happiness will be in the midst, many times, of very dire circumstances. So let's look at a couple of things, a combination of 
of things that we can, we can do that cause us to really, truly live. And one of the, those is I want you to think about life's choices. And we can sum those up in three questions. Either, what is the goal? What do I have to do to get there? And what am I willing to do to do it? So what am I willing to do to be uncomfortable? How, how uncomfortable am I willing to be? And how much am I going to be able to, to delay gratification? So how can I break up that ideal, that aspiration, that goal, that desire into something that's manageable? So what is the goal? Is the goal that my relationships are better? Is the goal that my health is better? Is the goal that my relationship with Christ is more fulfilling, more meaningful? Is, is the goal that my, my children are, are safe or, or growing up to be people that, that they can be proud of? What is the goal that I am doing? Is it for better health? What, what, what might be that goal? So what do I have to do to get it? And what am I willing to do? What am I willing to do about it? And so we really want to take this to our relationship with God and say, here's the goal. And I think this is a, is a worthwhile goal, Lord. I think you might like this goal. And we give that to God and we ask that he give it back to us if it's his will. And we, we present to him, this would, this would be my will, God, but I want your will. And so we can have lots of wonderful aspirations and goals, but they may not be timely. It may not be something that God is doing in this time. It may not be something that is available. It may not even be something that's possible. So we really want to make sure that we're first running those goals by God. Then when we get that idea that, you know what, this probably is from God. And, and many times those goals that cause us to want to do character development are always from God. And they probably were given to us by God, and that's why we're presenting them to him, because we finally have heard him. So we want to think about this second rule as we go through looking at life's choices. When I'm truly living, one of the areas that I have to really work on is striving to be uncomfortable. So you have to understand that almost all the goals that I would aspire to have discomfort in them. So if you're uncomfortable, you're probably growing and reaching the goals. Because we, we have to remind ourselves anything of value requires work. And so if there is no, no work in it, there's probably going to be no value, even if it is valuable. And we see this with people that are given many things that they don't have to work for and, and how much they devalue them. Maybe they have a wonderful car, they don't even take care of it. They have the ability to travel all over the world, and instead they complain about how terrible the airports are. And so we really want to look at when I'm willing to be uncomfortable, I'm probably going to get closer to reaching the goal. And I'm also going to realize that there's going to be value in attaining the goal. Those types of things cause me to truly live versus just surviving my moment or just seeking pleasure for pleasure's sake. So I want to really think about this whole idea of, of discomfort. And in the book that, that I just finished, really talks about this whole idea about being willing to die to self-will and how difficult that is in order to have God's will, that I need to use my free will to die to self-will in order to do God's will. And what we know intellectually is God's will is always best for us, but the whole idea of letting go of our good ideas our wonderful goals, dreams, and aspirations, our fantasies, our fairy tales. This takes a, a tremendous amount of discomfort. 
to let go many times and then to accept what needs to happen in order to make the goal um, possible. So the next one that causes me to be truly living in this world that is basically dying around us is I have a prayer of thankfulness. And when I pray for thankfulness and I pray thankfulness to God, I'm also going to get guidance, protection, and it's going to help me with forgiveness every day. And so I always want to have that attitude of gratitude. And, and we, we did the show, um, A Kinder, Gentler Self. If you go to my website, you can find it there. We talk all about the power of words and the neurobiology behind words and how words affect your brain and why gratitude is one of the most healing things that you can do for your brain. And this creates happiness every time because we all have something to be thankful for. And whenever we're in that really deep, dark bad place, that place of self-pity, or we're just lamenting about how hard life is and how unfair it is, we have a tendency when someone says, well, what are you grateful for? To get angry. We're just like, what do you mean what do I have to be grateful for? Nothing. When intellectually, we do know we have something to be thankful for. But that negative part of us, that lower self, wants to stay there and wants to stay in a state of self-pity. And we have to really use our free will. We have to really rise above, let God do that character development in us, and require that we have an attitude of gratitude because that is a discipline. You have to remember that our fallen nature, and they've studied this about the brain, our brains go to what is negative first. Our brain always goes negative on us, and we have to discipline it and teach it and choose to think positively. That's where we get that wonderful verse in Philippians 4, 8 that talks about think on these things, those things that are good, righteous, pure, of good repute, of excellence, that we really discipline our brain to think on those things. Once we do, we have more resiliency, which then allows us to manage more discomfort as we work toward those goals, and we have a higher level of happiness. I just want you to understand, happiness, there is no shortcut to happiness no shortcut. So we really practice thankfulness. We ask for guidance daily. We ask for protection from God in all the work that we are doing. And we always practice forgiveness. And I know for myself, when many times I pray the Lord's Prayer, and I kind of fill in all those blanks, and I pray, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I list all the people that I pray that for. And I pray for myself in that. And you get down through the Lord's Prayer and it talks about, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I, and I know that something powerful and profound is happening in me. That when I first ask for God's forgiveness for all that I need to be forgiven for, what generally happens is I don't feel like I need to forgive anybody. I just get to that place where I just think, oh, my goodness, I, I am so thankful that God has forgiven me of so much. I, I don't even feel like I have ought toward other people at that point. If I do, that usually is because it's a very profound wound. And so I really talk to God about that, and I really ask for the gift of forgiveness. And I say to him, if you don't give me that gift of forgiveness for that person, I know I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. I can't. Not only can I not do it, I frankly don't want to do it. But I do know that unforgiveness is a cancer in my soul. And if I'm not careful, 
it translates to my whole entire body and it tears down my body. So we really want to be careful about how we think because how we think affects everything about us. It affects our emotions, affects our physical body, affects us spiritually, which then affects the way we interact socially. And then it affects, again, the way my brain chooses to think. So we want to be very careful. So we want to pray a prayer of thankfulness, of guidance, protection, and we pray forgiveness. And the greatest one that we forgive is ourselves. So lastly, in this segment, I want you to think about truly living means that I love my family and my friends and I show my love for them through actions as well as words. And you know, many times we have to remind ourselves that everybody has family. Family is not easy. Family is wonderful, but family is family and we all have family. And so loving my family many times requires a lot of humility. But the end result is glorious. And God does great things in me when I am willing to love people that feel unlovable to me or people that maybe I don't even like. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we continue Truly Living and Rules for Truly Living. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. And this is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad you joined me. If you're just joining me, um, you can always find me on my Facebook page, which is Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's I-N-C for Incorporated. And my name is spelled just the way it sounds. It's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. You can also go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And any of the portion of this show, if you've missed it or can't listen to it it's in its entirety, it is on the website as a podcast. So you can, and there's a lot of other shows that you can listen to as well. So I really encourage you to like my Facebook page and to visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. So we are talking about truly living and what the rules for truly living are. Some of this comes from the book that I just finished that's been published now, which is wonderful. And it's also you can get it on Amazon and Kindle as an ebook, and it is called God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. So the impetus of that book has a lot to do with the verse in John 10.10 10 that says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God comes to bring life and in abundance. So what is that abundant life? What is truly living? How do we really do that? And a lot of this comes down to this, this whole idea of happiness, that we all, all really want to be happy. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. I like being happy myself. But what we find is that if we just pursue happiness, we will end up pursuing pleasure. And that will be momentary. And the momentary happiness that we have is generally hedonistic behaviors, and it will then become a cancer to our soul. And, and that very pursuit causes us more unhappiness. So we really want to work on the idea of meaning and purpose, contentment, and a lot of the gifts of the Spirit. And that comes with my willingness to let God truly change me from the inside out. And so we talked a lot in the last segment about the whole idea of life being a series of goals. And what are the goals? And many times we don't even realize that we have a goal. And maybe that goal is to do nothing. But we are driven as humans to aspire. And so many of our aspirations are negative or many of our aspirations are defensive. 
So we are aspiring against something versus changing that aspiration, that goal setting, that pursuit to something that will truly give us meaning and purpose, which is truly living. So we left off on this idea that we, one of the things about truly living, being a person that is truly living, is one that loves their family and their friends, and that they show their love for them through actions as well as words. And I was talking about many times it's difficult to love family and friends, those closest to us, because sometimes they're very unlovable and and oftentimes very unlikable. And so one of the reasons that God has us in these families, in these communities, is that it causes us to do the character development of overcoming and forgiving and choosing to see people through the eyes of God, choosing to learn how to have really good boundaries. Because I want you to understand that the better the boundaries I have, the better my boundaries are, the healthier my relationships are with people, regardless of how unhealthy they are, they also affect me less. And I'm better able to love them when I have good boundaries. If I'm trying to make them be someone lovable, I'm going to be very upset, very distraught, disturbed, and very exhausted in the process. So I choose to be someone that is lovable. I choose to be someone that acts in ways that help people love me. Now, that does not mean codependence and be people-pleasing and, you know, um, self-deprecating and all those more codependent tendencies. It means that I know who I am. I accept who I am. I love who I am. I forgive who I am. And I show up every time 100%. So this means that when I'm interacting with family and friends, I'm going to show them with actions versus words how I feel about them. So that may be hugging somebody that I don't feel like hugging. Now, always remember, I'm saying this in general, because one of the boundaries may be that you don't hug someone that you don't feel like hugging. So I really want you to think about for your own personal self, what God would be directing you to do, because it may be different than somebody else. So you're asking God for the rules for you that cause you to truly live. So how do I love family and friends that may be unlovable? God, you have to show me how to do that and do that well so that I don't set myself up to have more things to forgive them for. So secondly, we want to really think about in that process that when I'm in that moment, I be in the moment. And so I notice the details. I make sure I ground myself in that moment, that I'm not projecting myself into the future saying, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this thing to be over. And futurizing my entire life so that I'm not actually living the life I'm given, that I'm just in my imagination futurizing or catastrophizing or or thinking and projecting all the way out there that I don't even experience the moment that I'm in. And what we know about anyone that struggles with anxiety, one of the things that happens is because they refuse to be in the moment, they have more anxiety. Because in the moment you're in, you're managing. Whatever is happening in that moment is manageable. If it's not, it probably isn't to the entire society. That would be something like 9-11 or the house is burning down, which very rarely occurs for the majority of us. So when I choose to live in the moment I'm in, and I manage that moment, it makes my entire life much more manageable. When I choose to be in the moment 100%, I'm more present for the people around me. And that act alone feels loving. 
This is one of the reasons why people come to therapists, why I have in my practice, I have people that come because I'm there 100% for them. And it's such a novel experience for many of them to really have someone that is there, focused, interested, cares, not judging. And so we can do that as an act of love for anybody because truly all the people that we love are really God's problem. It doesn't mean I don't care. When I say to people, you know, that's not my problem. It doesn't mean I don't care for them. It means that I can't take on that problem. It is not mine to take. So I can care for them more effectively if I don't take on the problem. I have more energy to care for them if I let them deal with their problem with God. And I pray for them. I care for them. I don't judge them. I'm present for them. So it's imperative that we really practice these skills in order to truly live the life God has for us. So this next, next one is I accept uncertainty. If you can, you will all but eliminate worry. None of us knows what's going to happen 10 minutes from now, much less the rest of our life. So the more that I practice acceptance, the healthier I'm going to be, the better I'm going to feel, and the less I'm going to worry about because I'm going to really let the world be God's problem. And thankfully, I'm his problem. And I'm glad he's taken me on. And I'm glad I belong to him. And I'm glad I'm not the only one bearing the burdens of me. That God is very active in that. And so when I accept uncertainty and I say, God, you know, you know the future and I don't. I'm doing everything I can in my moment to create what I think is going to be a positive future, what I hope is a positive future. So I'm living my life in a way that causes me to not have to have negative experiences um, unnecessarily because I'm making bad choices. I'm making the best choices I can. But even in that, I can't guarantee that the next moment will be positive. What I can know is that if I do this moment and God is with me, it helps me manage the next. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure that you visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and like my Facebook page on Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. And join me in the next segment for Truly Living. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about the topic, Truly Living. And a lot of this is based on a book that I just finished, which is God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. So I encourage you to go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And you can um, order it from there. You can also, it is now on Amazon and Kindle as an ebook. So you can go on that site and you can download it as an ebook as well. So we are talking today about truly living. And that's the verse in John 10 10 that says, The thief comes to st- steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to bring you life in abundance. And so when we think about that, we have to ask ourselves, well, how, how do we do that? How do we have a life that is of, of abundance? Because we truly are oftentimes just seeking happiness. And, and I, I want to be happy just as much as you want to be happy. And so one of the ways that the enemy wants to shortcut us is to just have us really focus on what makes us happy and how to be happy. 
And when we focus on what makes us happy and how to be happy, we generally are going to be doing pleasure-seeking behaviors or things that are very self, self-gratifying and are in the moment and easy to get, which, hap- which ends up happening is that the, those uh, endeavors cause us to be more unhappy and bring more chaos and hurt into our life. So what we come to understand is that if I practice a life of abundance, which means that I'm pursuing a life of meaning, of purpose, one of high connectivity relationally with people, I'm learning to live at peace, I'm, I'm walking in forgiveness, I, I'm letting God truly mold and shape my character so that I can be everything that he caused me to be, I will have more happiness than the general population. Now, it doesn't mean I'm happy all the time because that would be impossible, but it does mean that I have a lot more happiness because I'm doing those foundational things that allow happiness to occur. So we left off in the last segment about this idea that I have to accept uncertainty. And one of the things that gets in the way of our happiness or being able to feel happy is our tendency to worry. And what I want you to think about is how many times have you been in a really good situation, things are going well, you're enjoying yourself, and then you start worrying. What are they thinking about me? Did I wear the right thing? Did I just say a dumb thing? Oh my gosh, did I remember to turn the stove off? Uh, You know, oh my goodness, I forgot to call that person. They're going to be mad at me at work. Whatever it is, you know, are my kids okay? Are the dogs okay? The cat okay? Whatever those worries are, that's that tendency to steal in the moment any happiness that God has afforded us. So we need to accept the idea of uncertainty and not be projecting into the future what we think is happening or could happen or might happen or what we think people might be thinking or might be feeling. That we accept what is happening 100% and we accept the fact that we don't know what tomorrow brings, or even the next 10 minutes. And so there's a great saying that comes from Alcoholics Anonymous, and it says, acceptance, the key to all my problems. And I have practiced that in my life, and I'm amazed. I'm astounded. I tell clients all the time, acceptance, the key to all my problems. And I want you to remember, when we talk about acceptance, we are not talking about agreement. We are not talking about condoning. We are not talking about even liking it. Because the beautiful thing right now is that God accepts everything, 100%. He accepts everything that's happening right now. Doesn't mean he agrees with it. Doesn't mean he condones it. Doesn't mean he's going to teach us how to do more of it. It means that if he doesn't accept the way things are, he can't be with us in the moment. So he accepts everything that's happening as he is changing the world, as he is causing one sinner to repent one at a time as he is causing the world to change because of his presence. And so I want you to think about this idea of acceptance, that when I accept people how they are, that's all I'm doing. I'm accepting the fact that that's who they are today. That's who they are right now, and I can accept that. It doesn't mean I like it. doesn't mean I agree with it, but I'm not going to fight with it. And so if the person is out of control, is, is hurtful, is highly dysfunctional, then what I can do while I accept who that person is, is practice my own personal boundaries that help me to stay present and not struggle with that person, that I accept them. And this is what God does. He accepts us completely. I accept my clients. As soon as they walk in the door, I accept everything about them. If I don't, I can't work with them. And so accepting doesn't mean liking. 
So I can accept myself today, even if I don't like everything about who I am today, knowing that God is doing the good work that he started in me and he will complete it. And so it's important as I accept and I practice not worrying that I work through those fears that prevent me from truly living. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again in the last segment of this show on Truly Living. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt. I'm so glad that you joined me. And this is the last segment of this show. So I want to encourage you that if you've missed any of the show, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And you can listen to the show in its entirety as well as a whole bunch of other shows that we have on the website. We are doing today's show about truly living and what truly living means and how to truly live. And a lot of this is based on the book that I just finished, and that's God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. And you can find that on the website as well. It is also up now on Amazon and Kindle as an ebook. So I encourage you to download that. I think you'll enjoy it tremendously. So we left off on this whole idea of acceptance, working through fears, not projecting ourselves into the future not creating things to worry about. And that we really want to be saying, God, it is your will, not my will, and your will be done. And I'm living in God's world, and this belongs to God. And thankfully, I belong to God. So I can really cast my cares upon him. And and I practice this with clients, and I many times have them do what I call a cares list. And I say, you know what? If you're struggling with this whole idea of chronic worry during the day and your mind keeps going to all the things that could be, should be, would be, ought to be, only if, or maybe that's going to happen, or what if, then I, you know, I say to them, I want you just to write those down just as you go through your day. You don't have to write complete sentences. I just, just a word that helps you remember what you cared about, what you worried about, because these are cares that we have. I care about how they think about me. I care about how that conversation went. I care about what I wore. Why did I just wear that? I care about the fact that I didn't call that person back. I care about the fact they didn't call me back. Whatever those cares are, no matter how big, I care about my loved one who's struggling with cancer. I care about the fact that I can't make my house payment. And I care about the fact that I think I acted like a dork down at Starbucks. Whatever those are, if they get in the way of us living at peace in God's world and having the contentment that God desires for us, then we need to cast those on God. In Psalms 55, 22, I believe it is, says, cast your cares upon the Lord, he will sustain you. And so I have clients do this all during the day, and I have them many times, if they don't have time during the day, I say, you know what, at the end of the day, I want you to just write down everything you remember in your day that bothered you. And you leave it right on the nightstand and you say, God, I'm casting those cares on you because you care about me. So if I care about it, you care about it because you care about me. And I really give those to God, no matter how minuscule they are. Because remember, we're his children. And if you you have children, if you have pets, you know that every little thing that concerns them, you care about. And that's how God feels toward us. So very important 
that we don't accept unnecessary fear and worry, angst, and, and anxiety. So this next one, we're going to be the best you that you can be. You do not strive to be someone else. And one of the shows I did was Be Your Own Best Version, and that's kind of one of the sayings that I have on a lot of my um, programming is be the best you, be the best version of you, be your own best version, which means that I never arrive. God's doing the good work that he started in me. And in this moment, I'm being my best version right now as I give you the show. Now, a year from now, I might listen to this show and say, oh, I don't like how I said that. Maybe I would do this differently. But right now, this is the best I have, and I'm giving it all my best because God is updating me all the time. And just like all of our technology, God's installing things in me and, and reinstalling and uninstalling and doing, you know, Cynthia, you know, 7.0 maybe. And so he's really working on doing that good work that he started in us. And so we want to let God do that so that we can be the best version for him today. Because that is always going to usher in happiness. Even if I don't do it well, I know I'm doing my best. And even if my best isn't very good, even if I'm exhausted and there's a tendency for my mind to say I could do better, I can trust me, I can trust God, and I can have kindness and compassion on myself and say, you know, if I could have done better, why wouldn't I have done better? Why would I not do my best? So apparently this is my best. So I'm going to resolve problems and remove stress. And I'm going to take action. And so I'm going to take action on those things that are stressing me out. I'm not just going to think about them all the time. I'm not going to just talk about them all the time. I'm going to problem solve about them. I'm going to say, what are some action steps I can do to remove the stress from this problem? And it may be a one-time occurring problem. It may be a chronic problem that is going to take a lot of time and a lot of patience and a lot of acceptance to deal with. And I'm going to focus on the solution and not the problem because it's a waste of time and energy focusing on a problem. If I focus on the problem, I make the problem bigger generally because I have more stress and more upset, more shame, more grief about the problem. So when I think about the solution, well, what's the solution? Maybe I don't have any. Well, you always have one solution and that's talking to God about it. So part of the solution is just saying, God, you know, I don't know what to do about this. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know if I even want to address it. I want to run away from it. Maybe this is a problem that I like. Could be something like a, a bad, bad habit. Maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's overeating. Maybe it's not exercising. Maybe it's watching too much television. Maybe it's an inappropriate relationship. Whatever it might be that I might say to God, I know that this is a problem, but I'm having a hard time even wanting to stop the problem. So, the solution is as small as just telling him that and being truthful with him because he already knows the truth. He is truth, so he already knows. So as soon as I tell God the truth, I'm more connected to him. And the most wonderful thing about God is that I always have free choice. So even if I tell him the truth, I still get to do whatever it is that I want to do. And that's my free will. Sometimes, truthfully, I wish God would override my free will and just do the right thing for me. But he doesn't. He helps me to do the right thing. So you take the pain, you delete the bad habits. And you resolve those problems that are causing you stress. And you deal with how painful it might be to make that change. 
And so one of the things that I talk at length about in, in the book that, um, that I wrote, the one that I just told you about, um, God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead, is this saying that God gave me that is, you can have pain in vain or pain for gain, but you can never have no pain. So whatever pain I am in, I would rather it be for gain. I would rather that it cause something good, that I'm either stronger, wiser, healthier, more loving, more kind, more patient, more hopeful, whatever it is. I would like that pain to gain me something versus the pain just being in vain. And so I really want to practice saying, God, I don't want my pain to be in vain. I really want it to gain something. And so I want to make sure that I have honor, that I do what I say, and I say, I, I say what I mean, I mean what I say, and if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And if I don't do it, I apologize and take responsibility for it. I want to be a person of honor. That causes tremendous happiness, even if I'm accepting responsibility for a mistake. That is truly living. That is being a human, a mistake-making, gloriously made human. I have integrity. That means I do the right thing when nobody's watching. Oh, my gosh, that's a painful one to hear. That's a tough one because we all want to think that nobody sees us when in fact we see us and we know what we're doing. And when we go against our own values and we dishonor ourselves, we end up hurting far more than many of the people around us. And when we are hurting ourselves, we will end up hurting the people that we love. And so it's really tough to be a person of honor. It's tough to be a person of integrity. And it requires the Holy Spirit. I can't do that by myself. I can't. And even if I can in that moment, I probably can't sustain it. So I need to have that ongoing relationship with God, that infusing of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit in me that helps me to be the best version of me, the one that God has called me to be and the one that he created and designed me to be. And that can only be done by dying to myself and allowing the life of Christ to live through me. And that's tough because many times we would rather be walking dead. Truly, we would rather be doing things, behaviors, having ideas, thinking thoughts that we know lead to death. And we would rather choose those than truly living. And we have to ask for help because truly living is a very arduous process many times, has great reward, but it is not for the faint at heart. However, I have a lot of faith in all of you because I know God has faith in you and he has more faith in you than you have in you. And he believes more in you than you believe in you. And he believes more in you than you even believe in him. So you really want to know who you have on your side and who is helping you to rise above and be really who God has called you to be. So we're going to go the extra mile in all things. It doesn't mean that we're going to strive for perfectionism. That that never, never, ever works. But we're going to say, God, in this moment, can I do a little better? Can I do something that's more excellent for you? But I'm not going to ever condemn myself in moments of weariness, exhaustion, frustration, impatience. I'm just going to say, God, you know, that wasn't my best version. And so, Lord, thank you for accepting me and loving me in spite of that, and helping me to continue to have the energy and the impetus and the desire to be who you've called me to be. And so I'm going to choose a positive attitude and lifestyle, and I'm going to run away 
from things negative. And if you, you want a really good um, show about that, I want you to go to the website and listen to A Kinder, Gentler Relationship. And I talk a lot about negativity and the power of negativity on the brain. And the current neuroscience that talks about it actually restructures organically the shape of our brain when we continue to focus on negatives. And so we make sure that we are choosing the positive and we are choosing an attitude of gratitude. And we be patient and long-suffering and forgiving. We practice the love chapter. And, and one of the, the most beautiful things that God ever showed me about the love chapter, and I'm going to end the show with this, is I, you know, I, I read the one-year Bible, and I like to read it daily. And I don't do it every single day, but I've done this for years and years and years, which means I've read the Bible through very many times. And I came across my daily reading was going to be the love chapter in Second Corinthians. And that, I thought to myself, oh, Lord, do I have to read this again today? I mean, I've, I'm, I've preached on it. I've done weddings on it. I've sung the song. I've read the passage. I've read exegetical, you know, um, writings on it. Lord, do I really have to read it today? And because I was kind of being perfectionistic, I said, I'll be a good Christian. And I'll read it anyways, even though I don't want to read it. And as I began to read the love chapter, God impressed upon me that he wanted me to read it so that I could know how he loved me every day, not to show me the things I'm not doing. And I just began weeping when I read him say, I am patient. I'm kind with you. I believe the best in you. I don't rejoice when bad things happen to you, even if you deserved it, Cynthia. I love you with an everlasting love. I'm not angry. I'm not spiteful. I'm not competitive with you. And so as I read the love chapter and he said to me, I want you to love you like that because if you love you the way I love you, you will love others very easily in that way. So I always know when I'm having a hard time loving other people, it's because I'm not accepting God's love for me and I'm not giving it to myself. And so I'm struggling to love other people and I'm snagging on all those things about them. So I hope that this was helpful for you today. And we're going to take another show. We're going to do a little bit more about this idea of truly living and what it means to be happy and how to be happy. So thank you for joining me today. Please visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's INC for Incorporated. And I pray God's blessings for you this week as you learn to truly live. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, You can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.